Good morning. My name's Rob. If you don't know me, I'm one of the ministers here, and it is a pleasure to be able to, to share with you today as, as I begin to explore uh, a bit of a question in my mind about, I suppose you could just say, the mystery of God. Because, you know, sometimes our expectations of Jesus don't make sense, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, they make sense to us. They just don't make sense in light of the history of mankind and human experience. Just look at the situation in Ukraine, for example. You know, there are some people who are utterly shocked that God would ever allow events like we're seeing on our TV screens to happen. And yet, Jesus himself was unjustly arrested, he was brutally tortured, and then he was executed. God didn't stop it. He didn't stop two world wars. He hasn't stopped countless wars throughout the ages. Uh, we seem to find millions and millions of opportunities to fight against one another and do despicable things. And sometimes we come with a set of expectations that God is going to do something, that God is going to intervene, and he doesn't always act in ways that we would expect. You know, good people often suffer and bad people often prosper. And whether we like it or not, that is an inescapable fact of life in this world. You, we find it hard, don't we, to understand the mind of the God who created this universe, not to intervene in situations like this. People have always struggled to understand the mind of God, which makes sense if you think about it. Because if he really is the creator of all the universe, everything that we can see, everything that we know, then surely his thoughts have to be vastly beyond our comprehension. I mean, I don't know how much of a scientist you consider yourself to be, but the universe is filled with mystery that we still have to explore and understand. It's just so vast and, and complex, and, and it's just a small picture of the mind that invented it all. You know, the mind that designed every cell in every living creature, that wrote every law of physics, that conceived of every unbreakable principle of mathematics, well, that mind has to be vastly beyond our ability to understand. But still, we don't expect God to act in ways that we can't understand. Why is that? Maybe it's Christianity's fault. Maybe those of us who are Christians need to own it because after all, Christians believe that God in his desire to be approachable to us and relatable to us actually made himself approachable in the person of Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we believe that we can understand the heart of God towards humanity. However, what I really hope to remind us of this morning is that knowing God's heart and his love for us is not the same thing as fully comprehending the mind of God. And that's important. God taking on human flesh in a way that we can relate to is still an act of divine humility. It's an effort of the infinitely wise God trying to help mortal minds like you and me understand something that we could never figure out by ourselves. And Jesus is, I believe, the fullest picture of God that we could ever hope to comprehend. The fullest picture of his character and his love for us and the way that he desires to relate to us. But that doesn't mean that we fully understand him. And the problem is we so often think that we do. We can fall into that trap where we think to ourselves, if we pray a certain way or we pray for a certain thing, then surely Jesus will act a certain way because that's the only logical way for him to act if in fact he is who we think he is. But there's two problems with that thought process. The first is that in our minds, what's logical might not be what's logical to an infinitely vast mind 
that God has. And the second problem is Jesus may not actually be who we think he is some of the time. So how do we manage our expectations so that we don't fall apart every time Jesus defies them, every time we are reminded that Jesus is not what we expected? Well, maybe we begin by exploring the accounts of his life and his ministry to remind ourselves just how unpredictable Jesus always was. Try and recapture some of the mystery that surrounded him. Maybe then we can come to terms with the fact that Jesus defied people's expectations 2,000 years ago, and he's still doing it today. Perhaps through accepting that the Jesus that is portrayed for us in the Bible was bound to shatter our expectations because that's what he kept doing all the way through his ministry. Maybe then, once we've seen him for who he is, we can begin to break and avoid that fickleness that grows up within all of us when Jesus doesn't do what we think he should do, when he doesn't meet our expectations. Maybe we can avoid that age-old mistake made by the crowds of people who cheered Jesus on on Palm Sunday and yet just a few days later were calling for his crucifixion. So let's remind ourselves of the context of the story of Palm Sunday. The context is empire. It's occupation by a foreign government whose agenda had been forced upon the people of Israel. Caesar wanted more territory. He wanted more influence. And so he took it by force and he subjugated both the government and the population of Israel to his will. You know, these events took place thousands of years ago, didn't they? Yet they feel strangely relevant when you look at the news today. It still happens. It's still going on. That's because, like it or not, powerful people have often throughout history become oppressors. Just as Israel's ancestors had been held in captivity in Egypt under Pharaoh, now the Israelites were having their own uh, identity kind of snatched from them and the will of Caesar imposed on, on them by his military and by his proxies. And in Jerusalem, in the capital, an imposing fortress called Antonia was, was uh, located there and, and there was a garrison of Roman troops that kind of lived there under the command of Pontius Pilate just to remind all the people in Jerusalem who was really in control that it was the Romans. And the Jewish people obviously longed for freedom. And they held on to ancient prophecies that they had read. Prophecies like one by the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, who spoke about a time when God would rescue his people, saying in Zechariah 9 verses 9 to 10, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. And so as Jesus approached Jerusalem and started asking his disciples to go and fetch a colt for him, well, tongues started wagging, didn't they? Expectations started to grow that Jesus was this king that they'd been waiting for, who would march into Jerusalem and to victory. We read the account. In Mark's gospel, Mark was one of the early followers of Jesus who recorded significant events in his life and in his ministry. And in chapter 11 of his gospel, he writes this. He says, as they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, say, 
the Lord needs it, and he'll send it back here shortly. They went, and they found a colt outside in the street, tied in a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their clothes over it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. It's quite a scene, isn't it? It's really clear that the people who lined the streets that day had an expectation of Jesus. That he was marching to Jerusalem to save them from their Roman occupiers. That he was this figure that had been prophesied. They shouted the word Hosanna, which literally means save us. There's a very clear indication that they thought this was their moment of liberation. They expected the beginning of a new kingdom, one where a descendant of David would rule as king in Jerusalem. And surely Jesus would finally put an end to foreign occupation. Surely he would put an end to the imposing of the will of Caesar on the population of Jerusalem. Surely that's what God had sent Jesus to do on this great day as he fulfilled an ancient prophecy that now seemed to make sense to them. And then came the anticlimax. The dashed expectations, the hopes shattered that would soon lead the same crowd that were shouting, Hosanna, save us, just a few days later to be saying, crucify him, crucify him because of the weight of their failed expectations. Here's what Mark said happened. Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I mean, try and picture the scene here. Instead of storming the fortress, which is what everybody expected him to do, Jesus enters the temple Rather than seizing the moment, Jesus does very little at all. He just kind of wanders around. Instead of going here, he just hangs around here for a bit. And then he just wanders back off to where he's come from, to Bethany. Pretty much doing nothing. Can you imagine what it was like to be in that crowd? If you were in that crowd on Palm Sunday, just sensing that your moment of liberation had finally come, and shouting your support for this new king as he rode in on the donkey, as was expected. And then he does nothing like what you expect. Can you imagine the sense of shock, the deflation that would have followed Jesus' unexpected decision to turn in for the night? Was he indifferent to the ongoing suffering of his people? Had he forgotten who he was supposed to be, what Zechariah had said about him? What possible reason could he possibly have for squandering the momentum that he had in that moment with the crowd at his back, everybody ready to install him as king? You know, if ever there was a time for him to act, surely it had been today. And yet he just walked away. You know, if you're surprised by that, I don't blame you. I understand why. It doesn't fit the model of our hero. You know, when we write our stories of heroes, that's not how they act. They don't pitch up to slay the dragon and then go, actually, I'm a bit tired. Maybe in the morning. 
Let's go home. That's not what they do. This isn't the heroic picture that we had in our mind of the victorious conqueror coming to set people free. But you know, if you spend enough time actually reading the first-hand accounts of Jesus' life and ministry that we have in the New Testament part of the Bible, you begin to see that this was a bit of a pattern that eyewitness after eyewitness after eyewitness talked about how he kept breaking people's expectations. He kept doing things in ways that shocked people. That's who Jesus was, a man who seemed to constantly defy expectations. He had a habit of walking away from people's political ambitions for him. At one point, they wanted him to be king. And sensing that they wanted to force him to become king, he kind of does this miraculous thing and just kind of walks through the crowd and disappears. And everyone goes, oh, all right, he's, he's, he's gone. Sometimes they came to him with their theological questions, thinking, here's a great rabbi, a great teacher. He'll have a great answer for this. And he just didn't answer their question. Sometimes he healed some people, and then he didn't heal some others. Sometimes he raised one person from the dead, but people around still died. Who is this guy? What's he all about? What's his agenda? He did some miracles in some places, but he refused to do miracles in others. He broke all of the religious traditions that had been set up for him. He was supposed to be a religious teacher, but he didn't act like one. He just kept messing with people's expectations. And then there was his teaching. His teaching, which didn't fit the mold of the teaching of the day. He said crazy stuff like love your enemies, love your neighbor as yourself. You'll always have the poor with you. Pray for those who persecute you. These are not the teachings or the words of somebody that you expect to be God's chosen savior. They sound kind of defeatist. You're always going to have the poor with you. Well, aren't you going to fix that? Maybe. But he defied expectation everywhere he went. This rescuer, this restorer of Israel's fortunes was not who they expected him to be. And he didn't act in ways that they expected. And yet there were clues that should have been heeded. These were clues, these were signs that pointed that this day, this triumphant entry into Jerusalem wasn't going to pan out the way that everyone expected it to pan out. Because things never did when Jesus was on the scene. And as people heralded the arrival of this great king, what they were doing is heralding the arrival of someone who wasn't who they expected him to be. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to meet our expectations. He had a much bigger agenda of his own. He came to fulfill the purposes of God, the creator and the sustainer of the universe. That's what he came to do. And when Jesus was crucified shortly after these events, he did make it obvious that God loves us. But he didn't do it in a way that would have been obvious for us. Not in a way that we would have expected. Instead of eradicating suffering and injustice, he allowed himself to become the victim of cruelty that people often experience in this life. Jesus revealed that although God loved people immensely, he wasn't what they expected. And he still isn't. What I want you to remember and hold on to this morning is quite simple. That God has always been mysterious. 
And he's not some kind of genie figure that we've invented in order to do our will, to make us happy, to meet our needs. He is unpredictable. He is unfathomable at times. And if you find his actions unfathomable, then maybe you might just be grasping something of who God is because we can't fully understand him. He has a much bigger picture of things. But what we can see is that he's approachable, that he loves us, that he comes to us, and he's even willing to suffer with us. And even though we might not, even for a moment, begin to understand how that makes sense, if he loves us and he's willing to do that, then I think we can trust that as long as it makes sense to him, it's going to turn out okay. I'm reminded of a quote that I read many years ago, and I'm not entirely sure who the author is. I tried to Google it. I got about five different answers, so I'm not really sure, but it goes like this. There is a God we want, and there is a God who is. They are not the same God. The turning point comes in our lives when we stop seeking the God that we want, and we start seeking the God who is. My prayer for you today is that your acceptance of the mystery of God would be able to move in your heart and your mind that an embracing of the mystery of God would help you to look to him even when he fails your expectations. Because he will. Because that's not why he's at work in your life. He's at work to do the very best thing for you. Sometimes that will never make sense to you. Sometimes the things that you face in this life will shock you to your core. But there is a God who knows more than you, who loves you immensely and went to a cross to show you how much he loved you. And in those moments, if you find him mysterious, maybe that's just who he's meant to be. Maybe the course of events in your life have played out in ways that have left you wondering, what on earth is God doing in my life? I just want to say to you this morning, if that's you, it's okay to ask that question. It's okay to not understand. That doesn't mean you can't be a person of faith. It doesn't mean that you can't look to Jesus for hope in your circumstances. In fact, it means the opposite. Because his infinite wisdom and his incredible love, when put together, are a great comfort when things don't make sense to us. I pray that you may see Jesus this Easter, a man who defied expectation, a man who walked away from Jerusalem and away from everyone's expectations of him because he had a plan to do something far greater than the people ever expected. He had a plan for your life and my life too. My prayer for you is that as you reflect on the Easter story over the next week or so, that the mystery of God, the unpredictability of Jesus, the unexpected things that he would do, would remind you that when unexpected things happen, it definitely doesn't mean that God is still not in control. It means that God is doing what God has always done. He's been mysterious and he's doing things. And at the end of the day, it'll make sense. We're just not there yet. So keep hanging in there because he loves you and he would do anything for you. And we're going to celebrate that this Easter. Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for making yourself approachable to us in ways that we can understand to some extent. But help us to always be humble enough to accept that that doesn't take away from the mystery of your mind that we will not ever fully understand. And I pray especially for people who today maybe are wrestling with questions of why you've allowed something or why things have turned out the way they are, just that they might know that that's so normal. That is a human experience, and it doesn't mean that their faith is insufficient. I pray that you might fill them with a faith that says the God of the universe is never fully going to be understood, but we know that he is good, and we know that because of Jesus. The Jesus who defied expectations still died on a cross for us. Help that love to guide us into the mystery of your great love and your purposes for us. And to hold on to that with faith when times are troubled. To develop a resilience within us because we know that even though we don't know what the future holds, we know you and we know that you hold the future in your hands. Help us to rest in the unexpected nature of who you are. Because you are so much more than we could ever believe or imagine. Amen.